nobody should eat this and nobody should eat this. Like that, that rule never applies to anything. I, I just, I don't like, I don't like that mindset around things. But yeah, it's true that not everybody, not everybody's sensitive to gluten, right? Not everybody's sensitive to soy. Soy, there's a lot of really great health benefits to soy. There's a lot of cultures in the world that all of their meals are based on soy. Like, so there's clearly health benefits to soy. Now it's not for everybody. And let's just talk about how there's like levels to like the quality of the soy that we're eating, like first and foremost, right? So I I think that plays a big part is just knowing like, it's not the same for everybody, right? And, and, And just because you know, you hear people talk about how much weight they lost going gluten-free or whatever, like going gluten-free isn't to make you lose weight. Let me just tell you that. Welcome to Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm your host, Jen Trepic, talking wellness and weight loss for real life. We're here to clear up the myths, misinformation, bad science, and marketing to teach you how to eat and how to cheat. Are you ready? I'm having salad with a side of fries. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. I'm Jen Trepic, your host, of course, always here with you. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation because it's combining two elements that we hear about all the time. One is, you know, gut health, and the other is focusing on plants. And the truth is, it's more than just eating plants for gut health. So have you ever thought about maybe training your gut? I know. (laughs) Let me introduce you to our featured guest. She's a certified holistic nutritionist, nutrition coach, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner, and comprehensively certified Pilates instructor and founder of InBalance Studio. She specializes in plant-based nutrition through her own journey with a plant-focused diet and healing her digestion, immune system, and so much more. She helps women lose weight while practicing a no-restriction approach and focusing on building long-term healthy habits without deprivation. Sound familiar, everybody? Yeah, (laughs) you get why we get along. So you may also recognize her from her podcast, Hopeful and Wholesome. So please help me welcome Hope Pedraza. Thanks, Jen. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Officially, welcome to Salad with a Side of Fries. Yes, thank you. It's been a minute. And first of all, you guys, if you haven't heard it, check out Hopeful and Wholesome. The episode was December of 2021, featuring yours truly. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Shameless plug, but it was fun. Yeah, it was a good conversation. And we're going to continue it here. Totally. <laughs> I love it. So we'll start with your story, but I don't want to interrupt you too many times. So let's tell our members what they're getting this week. So members, Your recipe is for grilled cauliflower steaks with herb sauce. So a delicious plant-based entree, right? Perfect for the grill. You can change up your next barbecue this season. And the herb sauce, you could honestly use on just about anything. It's so delicious. So you'll get both of those recipes, the cauliflower steaks and the herb sauce. And since it's June, it's time for your quarterly live Q&A session. We're doing it as a one-on-one. So in this week's email, you'll have everything you need to find a time that's most convenient for you. And I can't wait to talk to you and hear your voice. (laughs) So if you'd like to connect live, just you and me, I would love nothing more. And if you think this recipe sounds awesome, become a member. Here's what you do. Go to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries. For $10 a month, you get weekly recipes, a monthly article or tool, extra discounts from me and our partners, plus access to live Q&A sessions. Seriously, a total deal. When you take advantage of the full offerings, you're saving far more than that $10 cost. 
I always say this, a no-brainer way to show yourself that your health is a priority. And this membership supports this podcast and this community so we can continue bringing you new episodes and experts every week. So here's the deal. You go to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries, or just click the link in the show notes. That's even easier. Once you're there, you click support now, enter your email and payment method, click subscribe, and that's it. You're all set. You'll get this week's recipe for the grilled cauliflower steaks with herb sauce and details for your one-on-one live session. All right, Hope, take a minute. (laughs) Tell us your story, you know, of getting into Pilates and then nutrition. And, you know, I mentioned this in your bio, but you went plant-based 10 years ago, like before it was a thing. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, that's very true. (laughs) Yeah. So my background is in dance and that's kind of what got me into Pilates. I've danced from the time, I mean, you know, I was probably three years old when I started and danced all the way through high school, college. And then in college, I got into Pilates as just kind of a side gig teaching it. I started taking it. I probably started taking it when I was in high school, you know, back in the like 90s, early 2000s, when my mom would go to the gym and do like step aerobics and, you know, all the things you do in the 90s and early 2000s at the gym. But Pilates is one of those. And so it kind of got me in, into, you know, what Pilates felt like. And then as I got into college and really started diving into it, it was, I just, I loved the movement, the fluidity, the precision. I just loved all of it. And so I started teaching it just like a side gig when I was in college and just kept teaching it from there. In my mid-20s, I was presented with an opportunity to open a studio. I, was, I bought a failing yoga studio, and I, I just decided I would turn it into my own thing. I rebranded, made it a Pilates studio, and it just kind of you know has grown from there. The nutrition piece really, I would like to say that it kind of started around the same time, but honestly, I think it started a long time ago because I had a really tumultuous relationship with food growing up. Like it was, it was a torturous relationship, and you were a dancer, so you know how it is yep. in the dance world when you know, for me, I'm short, petite and not built like, like I use the air quotes, like your typical dancer with that long, tall, slender ballerina. And I wanted so badly to like, you know, change my genetics. And and so anyway, I just had this really (laughs) tumultuous relationship with food. So my, my like initial, like attraction to nutrition was very like obsessive compulsive. Like I could tell you every calorie count of every food on the planet. Like it was very obsessive. By the way, I have chills as you say that. Yeah. So like, I feel you, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, you know, yeah. And and so I think, you know, I, I really lasted into college and out of college. And at some point after college, I, I and I grew up with really bad digestive issues, which of course it's all related, you know, it's all related. I was in yeah. and out of doctors when I was a kid, had a ton of colonoscopies before I was, you know, 16 or 17. And when I got older, I decided I wanted, you know, kind of educate myself in nutrition. And so I got a bunch of books and started reading. And that was really where my plant-based journey started. And so I, I decided I would, I read a couple books and I'm one of those people, like, if I'm going to do something, I'm just going to do it. And so I was like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to be vegan. And literally just went cold turkey, like, I'm just <laughs> going to do it. And I, I don't, you know, not necessarily recommend doing it that way. But for me, it was just like, if I'm going to do it, I'm just going to do it. And so initially, and, and it was, I was kind of, my perspective on food and nutrition was changing a little bit at that time because I was thinking more in terms of like health because I was just, I was getting sick all the time. My digestive system was still just a wreck. My allergies were terrible. My skin, like there's so many things. And so I decided to go plant-based and I mean, honestly, it was probably a couple weeks in when I was like, I started kind of feeling different. like, okay, like my body feels a little different. And then sometime later, it kind of clicked where it's like, okay, like, oh, well, food really is affecting like my, my health. Oh, imagine that, you know? So right. I, I just stuck with it. It worked for me and I felt good. 
my digestive system was like, I mean, like, especially now, I mean, like you said, it's been, it's probably been, I don't know, 10, 11 years by now, but it's, it's been a while and I can totally tell a difference. And, you know, 10 years ago, my health, which, you know, a lot of like mental, emotional stuff happened around that time too. I was going through divorce and stuff. So I know that obviously plays a part into things, but just knowing how like my immune system and my gut, like so many things have been affected by it. And so that's kind of the approach I take to my clients where I'm not teaching them to be plant-based. I'm not, I'm not even encouraging them to be plant-based. It's really what, like you mentioned before, the term I like to use is plant-focused because it's just putting the focus on plants and using that as like the foundation of like your meals. Yeah. And I love what you said too of like, it even took a couple weeks and a couple weeks is actually relatively fast. Mm. But a couple weeks to notice. And I think so often sometimes, in air quotes, we try something Mm -hmm. and then like 10 minutes later, we're like, I don't, I feel the same. Didn't work. You know, (laughs) right. You know, or even, but you know, a couple weeks is actually pretty quick to notice a difference. And then you also said, you know, even a year later, really noticing and 10 years later, really noticing. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I could really tell for me too, like when I, so I I live in San Antonio and I'm not originally from San Antonio. When I first moved here, if anybody knows anything about South Texas, the allergens are like horrendous, like it's ridiculous. And we all know, you know, when the cedar starts, it's just terrible. So when I first moved here, my first couple of years here were terrible. Like I was sick. I feel like I was sick all the time. My allergies were terrible. And I kind of like grown out of a lot of the allergies I grew up with because I grew up with bad allergies. Hello, like gut health. But anyway, And so I, I, uh, you know, after changing my diet, when I went plant-based, I mean, that was probably the first thing that I noticed. And that was kind of the quick thing, like a couple weeks later, I'm like, Hmm, like I'm not sniffly right now. Like, and then, and then when like cedar season came back the next year, I'm like, Holy crap. Like, Oh wow. Like this really worked, you know? I remember the same thing because it was like, I didn't even notice until I realized everybody else around Mm -hmm. me was complaining about allergies. And then I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My allergies haven't been bothering me. But it's like it takes that Mm -hmm. sort of like reminder Mm -hmm. around us. Yep. So we're focusing today on, you know, training our gut. And we talk about it all the time. But I'd love to hear how you explain, you know, you mentioned allergies, you mentioned your skin. But like how do you explain the importance of gut health? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really and truly, gut health is everything. I mean, it really is everything. You know, 80% of your immune system lives in your gut. And so it affects everything. Virtually every hormone in your body is somehow either produced or somehow affected by your gut and your gut microbiome. And so literally your whole body is affected by your gut. So your gut health is everything. And so, you know, with the ladies that I work with, they're dealing with a lot of different things, different autoimmune issues. A lot of them have different hormonal issues. And before I look at anything, you know, the hormone labs and everything are, are, you know, they're important and they're they're helpful, but it's not going to mean anything if you don't know what's going on in your gut. Like the gut is always the first place that I look and see what the bacteria is looking like, the balance of good and bad bacteria. If there's any parasites or pathogens, which actually about 80% of us live with parasites. So most of us have some sort of parasitic thing going on in the gut, but just seeing what's going on in the gut really is an insight into what's going on into your entire body. Yeah. And one of my mentors always used to say too, your skin is your intestines turned inside out. Totally. So, you know, it's everything. Mm -hmm. I love how you talked about Mm -hmm. it. So also, I guess, laying a bit of a foundation so that we're all operating from the same understanding Mm -hmm. too. How do you define plant-based or plant-focused? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think it's an important distinction too, because there's a lot of like, I don't want to say interchangeable terms. I, I guess for some people, they are interchangeable. They're but, used interchangeably, yeah, exactly, you're right. Exactly, but they're not really interchangeable. So like the term vegan, because for a long time, I, I referred to myself as vegan. And I think over the past, really, I think probably over the past maybe three or four years, it's such a like politically and socially charged word. Like it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's very like polarizing. And, you know, so I, I don't like to use that word anymore. Plant-based is a little more inclusive and a little less restrictive. And I like to use the word plant focus because I feel like that's like the least restrictive version. Because again, like Me you too. mentioned this in the intro, I, I am like anti-restrictive anything. And I, I don't want people to feel too restricted because we all know when we feel restricted. We're not going to stick with something. And so I like to use the word plant focus because again, I'm not teaching people how to eat vegan or how to be plant-based. It's really just putting the focus on plants. So whereas plant-based is eating you know, whole foods, plant-based, it's no animal products. Plant focus allows for a little more leniency. So if you want to throw in meat and fish or eggs or, you know, whatever, then you have the flexibility to, to throw that in, but your focus is still on plants. And with my clients, I like to have like, let's have some meals throughout the week that are just plant-based. So you don't have to eat plant-based every day, but there's a lot of really easy swaps that you can make to make even just one meal a day plant-based. And so you're just cutting back, not putting the focus on the animal-based products, whatever it is, and then putting the focus on plants. Because for me, because we're relating plants to gut health, it's all about the fiber for me. So when the fiber is broken down into your body, it's broken down into short chain fatty acids. And this is where like the magic happens with the plants, because this is what helps build the healthy mucosal barrier, the healthy gut lining. It helps the good bacteria to proliferate. Like this is where all the good things happen. It's from the fiber and the fruits, the veggies, the nuts, the seeds, the legumes, all those things. So that's where the focus is coming from. And then adding in, you know, some good quality like animal-based products is, you know, you can add it in wherever you want. Yeah. And you started to go into it, like the short-chain fatty acids from fiber is so critical, Mm -hmm. right? We've talked about it before as like prebiotics, right? Mm -hmm. So this is sort of getting into, and maybe, you know, the big question of this conversation is why plant focused to heal the gut? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really, it's just that it's, you know, the, the short chain fatty acids, the bacteria. So when we're looking at, you know, what's going on in the gut, the two, what I see as, well, I guess three, the three main problems that I see to kind of like, I don't know, speak in somewhat of generalities is gut permeability, so leaky gut, perforations in in the gut lining. It's pathogens and parasites, which like I said, about 80% of us walk around with parasites or pathogens in our gut. And it's it's the dysbiosis. It's the imbalance of the good and the bad bacteria. And so addressing those three things is is really what helps heal the gut and promotes, you know, a healthy gut microbiome. And I think all of those things can be addressed with plants. And I'm not saying plants is going to fix everything because there's obviously more to, there's like a more complex protocol and you're looking at like all of those things, but the plants really do help with the healing process. Because like I said, when the fiber is broken down, the short chain fatty acids helps promote that healthy gut lining. So we can help repair the leaky gut. It also serves as food for the good bacteria. So you're helping balance out any dysbiosis or any imbalance in the gut bacteria, you know, kind of weeding out the bad, feeding the good, right? And so that's really where the healing comes from. And then, and then of, tour, of course, too, you have all the anti-inflammatory properties, the antioxidants, all that that's helping with overall inflammation, because chances are you've got the permeability in your gut, you've got the pathogens or whatever, and you've got some inflammation going on in your gut. So anything to help with the inflammation, comp- inflammation is going to be helping with the healing process. Yeah. You kind of touch on everything, you know, even 
the inflammation and all these pieces. And I think the other interesting piece too is maybe I'm jumping the gun and bringing this up, but my head went there. So we're going to go with it. Like with the idea of plant focused or even trying to work our way away from the animal products, so many things end up with soy and gluten. Mm -hmm. And then everybody gets these messages about like, you know, don't have those things either. But I think, you know, those aren't necessarily detrimental for everybody. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And I think that's important to bring up too is because I really, I really hate that, that whole, like, (laughs) I hate that so much. And and really it's around anything that's like, nobody should eat this and nobody should eat this. Like that, that rule never applies to anything. I, I just, I don't like, I don't like that mindset around things, but yeah, it's true that not everybody, not everybody's sensitive to gluten, right? Not everybody's sensitive to soy. Soy, there's a lot of really great health benefits to soy. There's a lot of cultures in the world that all of their meals are based on soy. Like, so there's clearly health benefits to soy. Now it's not for everybody. And let's just talk about how there's like levels to like the quality of the soy that we're eating, like first and foremost, right? So I I think that plays a big part is just knowing like, it's not the same for everybody, right? And, and, And just because, you know, you hear people talk about how much weight they lost going gluten free or whatever, like going gluten free isn't to make you lose weight. Let me just tell you that. So, you know, it's not the same for everybody. Everybody's gut is different. Now, are there some people who should eat gluten? Absolutely. Are there some people who shouldn't eat soy? For sure. And some people are sensitive to it. But it's important to know what's right for you and not just do it because everybody else is doing it because you heard, oh, I shouldn't be eating, you know, this. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of connected to the soy thing, again, going back to the quality of our soy, and you mentioned this before too about, you know, our hormones mm-hmm. being so connected mm-hmm. to our gut health. And it's funny, this actually came up even a few weeks ago with one of my clients about estrogen dominance. Mm-hmm. So between estrogen dominance and like, you know, the DHEA cortisol ratio, like talk to us about how focusing on gut health and plants can help address this hormone piece. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I mentioned before, you know, there's so many, I mean, I would say almost every hormone in your body is somehow linked to your gut, whether it's produced there, there's enzymes that come from your gut to help make these hormones, all of those things. So a lot of it starts in your gut. So the link between your gut health and your hormone health is undeniable. Like it's, it's a fact, like it's, it's related. And so, and that's why I said before, like, you know, I do like to run like hormone panels on my clients, but I always want to look at the gut health stuff first. And, and I never want to look at one without the other. Like, I really think you need both because yeah, there is going to be some things I want to look at with like your cortisol levels and your cortisol patterns and estrogen levels and all, you know, your steroid hormones. But if you're not seeing what's going on in the gut, you're not really going to see the full picture because it's important to look at is, is there dysbiosis, right? Is there an imbalance of good and gut bacteria? Are there like intestinal health markers that, that are affecting your immune system? Are there intestinal health markers that are showing that it's affecting your thyroid? which is connected to your adrenals, like it, it's all connected. So you, you really do have to look at the full picture to see what's going on. And, and I really think, I really believe that you cannot heal your imbalanced hormone levels or imbalanced hormone, your hormone deficiencies, imbalances, whatever, without addressing the gut. Like you really have to address both. Yeah. And I think, you know, not everybody necessarily has access to an FDN, a functional diagnostic mm-hmm. nutrition practitioner. What might somebody be experiencing that could lead them to the doctor to say, can you look at these specific things? Can we look at the microbiome? Can we look at, you know, a better hormone panel than just a simple blood test? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, it's like any symptom under the sun. (laughs) It's 
Like there's yeah. not really a great answer to that because there's so many overlapping symptoms, right? Like, I mean, low energy is a huge one, right? Low energy, fatigue, like chronic fatigue, brain fog, headaches, migraines, bloating, gas, constipation, low libido, PMS symptoms, like extreme PMS symptoms, irregular periods. You're looking at like poor memory, things like if you have occasional diarrhea, like occasional diarrhea and constipation, people think because it's quote occasional, like, oh, that's normal. It's not. It's really not. Like occasional diarrhea and constipation is not normal. Common, yes, but definitely not normal. And a big thing that I always hear from my clients is they always say like, I just don't feel like myself. And I feel like that really sums it up so well is because that's when you know something is off. And like, I just don't feel like myself. I don't have the energy I want. I don't have the vitality I want. I know something is off. When something is off, 99, I don't like to say 100% of the time, 99.9% of the time, there is something going on in your gut that needs to be addressed. Yeah, I love it. And I want to shift into a bit of like the how we do this after a quick message from our partner for this episode, DNA Miracles. Because every child is a miracle. DNA Miracles provides the highest quality body and wellness products designed for babies, children, and expectant mothers. All products are gentle, easy to use, and 100% effective when used as directed. DNA Miracles partner with leading health professionals and scientists who follow the highest standards in ingredient selection to create the most effective skin, hair, and health solutions. As natural as possible, DNA Miracles is the best and safest option on the market for you and your little miracle. From expert pediatricians to real family testimonials, everyone has fallen in love with DNA Miracles. So today, in focusing on gut health, I must talk to you about the DNA Miracles chewable probiotics. So there's a lot of probiotics on the market for kids. I think it's important to know the probiotic supplement you're giving your child and know that it will work for their digestive health and their immune health needs. So quality probiotics for children deliver effective strains of helpful bacteria to your child's digestive system. The best probiotics for kids also ensure that the helpful bacteria are protected before use. So, you know, protected as far as shelf life goes and even protected from the digestive process or through the digestive process. So DNA Miracle's chewable probiotics contains 5 billion colony forming units. Those are the CFUs you see on labels from five carefully selected bacterial strains and is formulated to help ensure your child receives the full benefits of the selected probiotics. Each probiotic strain used in DNA Miracle's chewable probiotics has a unique proven role to help support children's digestive health. It uses live back tableting process to ensure the viability of the bacteria both on the shelf and in your child's system. Plus, it has a child-friendly fruit-flavored approach to the chewable. I really can't say enough about it. I will tell you, I even use it for adults. Let it dissolve under your tongue. Supports gum health and oral health. Anyway, give it a shot. I think your kids will like it. You'll like it. For only $33.95, plus you get 10% off and free shipping. You really have nothing to lose. So text the word MIRACLES, M-I-R-A-C-L-E-S, to 844-947-4844. For six, you'll receive the link and coupon code right to your phone. You get 10% off and free shipping. Again, simply text the word MIRACLES to 844-947-4846. This is a toll-free number. Standard text and data rates may apply. All right, Hope. So <laughs> we made the case, I think, for why we want to shift to more plants and you know this approach to nutrition you know, for our gut health. But I think 
It's about how we do it. Mm -hmm. Right. And where do we even start? Because like you said, in your own story, you know, you're like, I made a decision. The next day was totally different. Mm -hmm. Right. But realistically, how can all of us start to do this? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a question. And I, and I really don't recommend doing it like that because for the majority of people, it's not really a sustainable way to do it. It really is easier than you think. And I don't want to make it sound like, like oversimplified, but it really is easier than you think because it's not about being a hundred percent plant-based. It's really just figuring out how to make some simple swaps. I always find that with my clients, the easiest meal to make plant-based is breakfast. And so if their goal is to like, let me make, you know, one meal a day plant-based, or even just like a few meals a week plant-based, breakfast is typically the easiest way to start, right? You can switch your regular yogurt to like a cashew-based or a coconut-based yogurt, right? You can make a smoothie with a plant-based protein powder. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of options there to make things plant-based. You're just staying away from, you know, the meat or the eggs or whatever. Making a scrambled Mm -hmm. tofu is if soy is something that you could eat. Obviously, like a non-GMO organic tofu. But really, it's just, and it's just learning how to make different swaps. With So another thing I have them do is if they want to kind of make swaps to what they're already used to cooking at home. So I tell them, okay, bring me like, you know, two or three of your favorite things that you want to make at home. Let's look at those and figure out how to make it plant-based because there's always a way. Like, for example, if something quick and easy like tacos, right? Instead of the ground meat, let's make like a ground, quote, air quotes, meat with lentils. Lentils are always my go-to for meat replacement. You can use it in a spaghetti sauce, like anywhere that there's meat, make your lentils or mung beans. You can kind of mush them up and make it like a meaty flavor. But just it's really just making swaps here and there. And then it's looking at your plate a little bit different where the protein isn't the main part of the plate. But it's the veggies, it's the plant-based part of your plate that's the main focus of the plate. It's just making little swaps and kind of shifting. It for a lot of people, it is sort of, you know, a bit of a mindset shift on what your plate looks like because especially in I mean, honestly, in Western society, but like definitely American cultures, like it's very meat-centric. Like our society yeah. in America is very meat-centric. And it's not the case in a lot of other cultures. Most other, like, if you look at, like, the healthier cultures, like the people who are the healthiest in the world, it's not meat-centric at all. And so it's just a little bit of a shift from what we've, like, societally been told, you know, been taught over the years of what the, you know, ideal plate looks like or whatever. So it's just a little bit of a shift. Yeah, and I love what you were saying about choosing one meal. Yeah. And just start with that one meal. And then the lentils, I agree. Lentils and chickpeas Mm -hmm. tend to be, like, the Mm go-to. And you also mentioned mung beans, which I think is something people are maybe a little less familiar with. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about like best ways to use them. Because I remember years ago buying these mung bean noodles and they smelled so bad (laughs) that I had to like research to figure out what to do. So (laughs) funny. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of noodles, we are all about lentil pasta at my house. Like if y'all want to get a healthy swap for like just regular like processed pasta, lentil pasta is so good. But no, mung beans are really good. And I started using these, I want to say it was probably back like in the early parts of the shutdown where it's like, you're like, hmm, what else can we do at home? Like, let's try some new recipes. And um, I started buying mung beans. And for me, where I live, it's really hard to find for some reason. Our grocery stores don't usually carry them all the time. So I usually just get them on Amazon. But mung beans are super high in protein and iron. Really, I feel like mung beans and lentils are like the best two legumes out there in terms of like, quality protein, digestibility. I know legumes can give people some trouble. Lentils and mung beans really are digested really well, super high in protein and fiber and iron, which I know for some people, it's like, you know, that's the question. Why? Like, where do you get your iron, right? Well, legumes have, have iron. So there you go. 
But anyway, mung beans are a really great way just to replace that meaning. Like the other night, speaking of mung beans, this literally happened just a few nights ago. I made some sloppy joes for the family and I, I wanted to get rid of the, the last bit of my mung beans. It was like, my husband was like, this is the best thing you've ever made with mung beans. Like I made, I'll use it with in sloppy joes. I made it, I made burger patties out of them the other day. So it really is interchangeable with any other like legume you would use, but they're just super high in protein and fiber. And the texture is really good where it's like when I made the burgers the other day, that was my husband's favorite burgers that I made was with the mung beans because it's got like a meatier flavor and it doesn't have like, so you know, when you mm-hmm. eat black beans, it's like, they taste like beans, you know? And so the, the mung <laughs> beans just have a little bit more of a meatier flavor that my husband really likes. So kid and husband approved. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. And you started to bring up, you know, the indigestion mm-hmm. piece mm-hmm. because I think whenever we talk to people, somebody called me the other day and said, what do I do to get? enough protein. Mm -hmm. And with beans, like, oh my God, my stomach Mm -hmm. is going to hate me. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do we add these in and not have the gas? All the time. Yeah. 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 I never heard that too. So first thing I think that's important to note is that when you're implementing more plant-based foods, if you're not used to eating a lot of plant-based foods and you're throwing like all the fiber at your body all at once, your body is totally going to hate you. Like it's not ready for it. So I always tell my clients, like your gut is like, is like any other muscle in the body, like you have to train it. And so you really do have to train your gut to like, break down things. It's not used to breaking these things down, requires certain enzymes and stuff to break it down. So you just have to like, ease yourself into it. So that's first things first. Second, it's really all about how you cook it too. For me and my clients, I recommend any legume or grain, whole grain that you cook, always soak them preferably overnight, but really for legumes, you could soak them, you know, 48 to 72 hours if you really want to and just sprout them. Like if you want to soak them till they sprout, you're breaking down the enzymes and making it more digestible. So you're already helping out your digestive system before you ever like ingest the food, right? And so the soaking process is super helpful. And then a lot of times too, it's just kind of testing them out. Like I've had clients before with like autoimmune issues where they can be super sensitive to like starches and stuff. But it's just finding the ones that work for them. Like I had one client who like chickpeas would do a number on her, but she was totally fine eating lentils. So it's really just also experimenting to see like what your body likes better. And I always think the cooking process is, I mean, it really is ideal and it's crucial to help your body just to be able to break things down, metabolize them a little bit better. I love it. And like you said, it's training the gut. It's like introducing this stuff Mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I suppose another question that comes up is you know, focusing on the plants and the legumes and all these things where we get our protein, they also tend to be higher in carbs. Mm-hmm. And I feel like culturally there's this carb phobia. Totally. Mm-hmm. How do you talk about yeah, that? That's probably the biggest thing, right? That's the thing I probably hear the most. And, and in fact, I have a, a client that I started working with probably about a month ago. And that was like the first thing she wasn't eating a period as it was. And she's like, you want me to eat all these carbs? She's like freaking out about it. Like I can't eat all these carbs. And yeah, it it is. It's it's very, you know, it's been that way since probably the nineties when the Atkins diet kind of came around and everybody got scared (laughs) of carbs and everybody's still scared of carbs. At least a lot of people are. But here's the thing, you know, there's a difference in between eating, you know, processed pasta and bread and eating legumes and whole grains. Like when you're eating legumes and whole grains, you've got the fiber to help out the blood sugar situation. So it's not like you're just downing sugar and starch by itself. Like the fiber is what helps things digest and it's it's what helps things 
slow down in your body so you don't get the blood sugar spike. Because that's really all it is, right? You're just trying to keep a steady blood sugar and not causing the blood sugar spike. So there's a huge difference there. And all of these plant-based foods, again, it's all about the fiber. They're all full of fiber. So it's it's not going to affect your body the same as sitting around eating, you know, potato chips and processed pasta, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I suppose I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts on this. So I have very strong thoughts on a lot of the plant-based products Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. out there, right? Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts on, you know, the beyond meats of the world? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And I do too. But you know, at the same time, I am also all about balance, like with anything. So I'm a firm believer in the 80-20 rule. If you're eating it like seven days a week, like probably not ideal. Um, but eating it every now and then, like, yeah, I eat a Beyond Burger every now and then because we go to restaurants and that's the only option they have for me to eat. And it's good. It's tasty. So I'm all about balance. But I do believe that, you know, 80% of what you eat should come in the whole food version. So using food in its purest form as much as possible, which like me, like go get some mug meats and make some homemade burgers. That's what I did the other night. Like it's, they're just as delicious and it's made from actual whole food. So it's just all about balance and not, you know, I don't like to demonize things too much, but yeah, I'm like you. I do have strong things about it, but I also like people to live just, you know, with balance. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Put them in their place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So I love this idea of sort of training our gut the way we train a muscle, as you said, mm-hmm. introducing these foods over time, but recognizing that why we're doing it extends to every bit of our health, you know, hormone and immune yeah. health and all those yeah. pieces. So. Anything we missed or a final thought to wrap this up? Yeah, that's a good question. I think something I always like to leave people with is not leaving out your intuition when it comes to like your nutrition and your wellness. I think that's a piece that we leave out a lot. And I think there's a huge value in that. I think that, you know, we listen to the fads and, you know, what everybody else is doing, whatever. And we kind of turn off like what our internal, like our little inner voice is telling us. Because a lot of times the things we think we quote, shouldn't eat or don't need or whatever, like your body does. And so like we were talking before about like the gluten and the soy and stuff, like I think a lot of it really is just listening to your intuition and and tuning into your body. Because I think that's the other part too, is just that self-awareness, tuning into your body to know how foods affect your body. Because your body will tell you. If your body doesn't like something, if your body does, it's going to tell you. You just have to be quiet long enough to listen to it. So I think just being able to like build that sense of self-awareness and listening to your intuition can go a long way in, you know, bettering your health. A thousand percent. I love it. All right. Are you ready for our rapid fire off topic questions that I ask every expert? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's the best thing you've done for your health this week? And what's the naughtiest thing you've done related to your health this week? Oh my gosh. The best thing. Okay. Well, I'm speaking in future terms because tomorrow I have a massage and I've been looking forward to it all week. And that is totally for my health, my mental and physical health. So I'm super excited about that. The worst thing I've done for my health. Well, I don't want to say the worst thing, but the first thing that comes to mind is I was telling you earlier before we got on that my my son had his little like preschool graduation and they had cookies. And so we had cookies. We had cookies at the graduation. Yum. <laughs> Sounds great. It was delicious. <laughs> if you weren't an FDNP and Pilates expert, what would you do? I think I would like, is this like what I would want to do if I wasn't doing this kind of thing? Okay. I yeah. think I would want to be like a professional like 
travel blogger. I just travel for a living. <laughs> for real. I'll go with okay, you. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite book on any topic other than your area of expertise or a fiction book? Okay. Oh, gosh, that's so hard. I love to read. I will tell you that. I love to read. And these days, I'm, I'm busy with kids and businesses and stuff. I just, Audibles is like my go-to. And the one, Me the too. first one that comes to mind, and I've read it a few times, is Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, Becoming Supernatural is like so good. That's the first one that comes to my mind. So good. If you could cure one ailment, disease, or sickness, what would it be? Mm. Autoimmunity. So Just true. In general. <laughs> if you were a superhero, what would be your superpower? Time travel. Ooh. Would you have future or past? Sorry, I have a follow-up um, in this rapid fire. <laughs> um, both. I'd want to do both. <laughs> awesome. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, gosh. I have this huge aversion to hearing people eat. I can't – The chewing. Yes. The chewing yeah. and the crunching, it grinds on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. All right. Finally, in your opinion, what's the next frontier in wellness? I think the next frontier in wellness is connecting. And I think it's starting now. I know these are supposed to be rapid fire, but I can't stop talking. I think the next frontier is connecting spirituality to your health. I think connecting, putting in the spiritual piece to your wellness, which is what I try to do with you know my clients. I, I tie in human design and a few other things, but I think, I think that's where it's headed next. Ooh, maybe we'll do another conversation about human design. Ooh, I love that stuff. I love it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again for being here. Just always love chatting with you. Tell everybody how to connect with you, where to find you, all the things. Yes. So probably most active on Instagram, I'm at the Hope Pedraza. And then I have a free Facebook group. It's Live Wholesome and Healthy, just for all things holistic and functional nutrition. I love it. And we'll put links in the show notes for everybody too. You have another minute to hang out for a nutrition nugget? Yes. Perfect. This week, we're talking about one bars. So I remember at one point in my dieting career, right, <laughs> focusing, right? It must have been, you know, Weight Watchers fueled, focusing on those fiber one mm -hmm. bars, like this fiber one cereal. Then they came out with their bars and, you know, we were all over it. I remember that. So <laughs> recently I was prompted to take a look at them again. So here's that story. So a client who just finished her 12 weeks with me emailed me this. Okay. She said, want to hear something crazy? I had a very long day today and was driving home from Boston. I got a one bar at Cumberland Farms, which is like a gas station mm -hmm. in the air. She said, it was the maple glazed donut flavor. I used to eat these all the time. Haven't had one in about three months. Dot, dot, dot. It tasted completely different to me and not in a good way. It tasted like cardboard and fake sugar. I used to think they tasted like candy. Love them. No longer. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so, and I remember the bars too, but I also haven't had one in a million years. Oh, so yeah. it prompted me to take a look at the labels, right? Because as we know, they change formulations, mm -hmm. they change all the things. So I was curious. So I started with the maple glazed donut flavor. Reading the label, 20 grams of protein, check, right? So then it had 23 grams of carbs, which is kind of a lot for a protein bar. Then three grams of fiber, which was less than I expected. I was about to say, me too. Yeah. One gram of sugar, five grams of sugar alcohols. Okay. 
So something doesn't totally add up to me in there because like there's a lot of unaccounted for carbohydrates. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> then eight grams of fat, six of which were saturated fat. So I was like, there's a lot of things in here that I'm not loving, mm-hmm. right? Our net carb count is 15, which is higher than we typically recommend mm-hmm. like a single digit. And the fat content, depending on where it's coming from, right. right? So we just need more information. So I read the ingredients. Here are the ingredients for you all. A protein blend that's made up of milk protein isolate and whey protein isolate. Then isomalto oligosaccharides. So vegetable source. So that's the fiber. Mm-hmm. But again, I wish it was telling us really what it was from. Vegetable glycerin, vegetable oil blend. So palm and palm kernel oils. So there are those There's fats fat. that we mm-hmm. right that we don't need and not our best sources of fat at, at that. Polydextrose, maltitol, sunflower seed butter, natural flavors, maltodextrin, soy lecithin, sea salt, nonfat dry milk, whey protein concentrate, sunflower oil, tapioca starch, distilled monoglycerides, sucralose, and calcium carbonate. So I was like, okay, all in, not my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> right. But then, I, you know, as we all know, different flavors, even from the same brand, yeah. look very different. Yeah. So me on a website, I'm now poking around, right? So then I see that they had a limited edition flavor. Okay. Then. So called Rocky Road. Okay. All right. Rocky Road limited edition also had 20 grams of protein. Cool. 24 grams of carbs, 8 grams of fiber, 5 grams of sugar alcohols. Still doesn't totally add up, but net carbs are better than the other one. 7 grams of fat, 3.5 are saturated. So then these ingredients. It's that same protein blend, the milk protein isolated whey protein isolate then soluble vegetable fiber, then isomalto oligosaccharides, that same fiber as the other one, then maltitol, sugar alcohols, polydextrose, vegetable glycerin, palm kernel oil, milk protein concentrate, almond butter, almonds, rice flour, cocoa powder, natural flavors, whey protein concentrate, tapioca starch, soy lecithin, sea salt, Calcium caseinate, canola oil, cellulose, sucralose, calcium carbonate, and sunflower lecithin. So like kind of better, but not really when we read right, the ingredients. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of ingredients going on there. <laughs> right. And then I remember my old, when I worked full time, people in our office loved the birthday cake flavor. So I looked at that one. It's basically the same as mm-hmm. the maple glazed uh-huh. donut flavor. Uh-huh. But interesting in the ingredients on that one, they had more things because of like flavorings mm. and colorings. And it had carnauba wax, which we talked about before in a nutrition nugget on gummy vitamins. So you guys can go back and listen to that. But I would guess it's here to keep the coating shiny on this birthday cake thing and then also to make sure it doesn't melt. Mm-hmm. But it's also not offering us any nutrition. None. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, all in on the one bar where we left, right? right? I think for me, you know, if you're looking for a bar with sufficient amounts of protein and fiber, some of their flavors qualify. Mm-hmm. I think generally the net carbs are still higher than what we would really want them to be. And when we read the ingredients, like there's a lot, I think we can do better. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, yeah, there's a lot of inflammatory oils in there. And then yes. so many people are so sensitive to that whey protein isolate and all of that. Like that sounds like a recipe for just like bloating. 
<laughs> right. And what's interesting is like if you – I should do a nutrition nugget on this. Like whey protein isolate does not have lactose, but whey protein and like the milk protein concentrate right. and those all have lactose. So like what's creating the reaction for people mm-hmm. is, you know, mm-hmm. anybody's guess mm-hmm. on that list of ingredients. Yeah, yep. right. <laughs> you know. But it's so interesting to me because on the interwebs, the one bars are listed as one of the best rated high protein bars on the market. Wow, really? I know. That's crazy. And one of the best tasting bars on the market. And so I'm like, I don't know. I think we can do better, like I said. And I feel like it's just a reminder that when we shift our eating habits, our taste buds change. Mm -hmm. And what we think tastes good changes. And so maybe it makes the argument too for not just going back and tasting things that we thought tasted good and recognizing how they taste to us now, but also saying maybe there's something that I used to not like Mm -hmm. that I want to try again because maybe I'll like it now. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know? Yeah. I think that happens often too. Like I have a few friends that are in like the intuitive eating realm and I have Mm -hmm. one that's a registered dietitian and she teaches from an intuitive perspective. And she talks a lot about that too, where it's like people are really scared to start eating intuitively. Like I'm just going to eat all the junk and all the stuff. And she tries to tell them like, no, like when you allow yourself to eat what you feel, then then you don't crave it because you haven't like deprived right. yourself of it and you find yourself like craving healthier food and stuff because that's where you're eating more often. So yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'll wrap this up, bring you back to my client's email. So I responded to her and I just said, so funny. I know those bars and I know that moment. It makes it all so real, right? She goes, it really does. And coffee with milk and sweetener is now gross to me too. (laughs) That's awesome. Just so cute. So like I said, right? Like we can train our taste buds. We can retrain our taste buds. So while one bars may be a better choice than some options, they are highly processed foods and we can even upgrade from there. So Hope, thank you again for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Jan. Absolutely. As always, everybody, I'm your host, Jen Trepic. Connect with me on Instagram, really all social media. I'm at Jen Trepic, J-E-N-N-T-R-E-P-E-C-K. Website is asaladwithasideoffries.com. So whether through social media or the website, send a message. I love nothing more than hearing from you. And this is also the easiest way to learn more about working with me. If you're not already a member, Join our membership program by going to glow.fm slash salad with a side of fries to show your support for this podcast, this community, but most importantly, support your health. You'll get this week's recipe for the grilled cauliflower steaks with herb sauce and details for your one-on-one live session. So until next week, remember that you can train your gut like you can train a muscle. Start small, keep adding more plants to your day, and it might just be the missing piece you've been looking for. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Salad with a Side of Fries. Congratulations for making yourself and your health a priority. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to click subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast platform, share us with a friend, and we'll be back next week. Always remember, you deserve it and you are worth it. Happy healthy.